The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 24th chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, About that day and hour, no one knows. Neither the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away, so too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. It feels hard to believe, but exactly one year ago on this day, December 1st, I was ordained as a pastor into the ministry of word and sacraments in the ELCA. My ordination took place at my home congregation in Chicago, surrounded by family and friends and church family and colleagues in ministry people from the different communities that had formed me into the person and the pastor I am today were well represented, including members of this community. Now, one part of the liturgy that stands out most for me is the laying on of hands. And I don't know if you've ever been to an ordination. It kind of varies denomination by denomination. But in this particular service, about halfway through, all of the clergy that are present are invited to come up and offer a short individual blessing to the person being ordained. Now, there were about 20 or 30 uh, pastors and deacons at my ordination, and I really don't remember what most of them said. I blame the cold medication I was on that day and just the utter surrealness of the experience. Most of them were something like blessings on your ordination or God is with you in your ministry. But one that I definitely do remember. Pour down, O heavens, from above, and let the skies rain down righteousness. Whew. This particular blessing, no surprise, came from a retired seminary worship professor who was a member of that congregation. Talk about a wake-up call of a blessing. Pour down, O heavens, from above, and let the skies rain down righteousness. Now, these are words that I would later discover come from an obscure, to me, Advent liturgical text based on Isaiah 45. If you know your Latin, the name for this day is or the name for this text is Rorate Celi, which is just the first few words of that in Latin, or more commonly in English, the Advent prose. That sounds delightful, doesn't it? 
Pour down, O heavens, from above, and let the skies rain down righteousness. Traditionally, this text is included in both Catholic and some Protestant circles in liturgies honoring Mary during the season of Advent. But it feels appropriate to call to mind this rather jarring blessing, uh, rather jarring memory of a blessing on a day when our texts also call us to wake up. Isaiah prophesies about God's impending judgments against a people that had strayed from God's teachings and about a future day when war and violence would be no more. More emphatically, and even with a tinge of fear and dread, Jesus calls us to keep awake because no one knows the day or hour when the Lord will come. Even our prayer of the day, associated with this first Sunday of Advent, calls on Christ himself to stir up his power. This is a season of waking up, of being called to attention, of preparing and making ready for the coming of Emmanuel, God with us. Advent is like a wake-up call. Stir up your power, Lord Christ, and come. Keep awake, be ready, a time for beating swords into plowshares, for studying peace and unlearning war. No wonder Advent comes with such a jolt this day. Nothing about our culture this time of year seems to make space for this kind of an Advent celebration. By now, holly jolly Christmas music has been playing on the radio for weeks and bright red and green and gold and silver decorations have been in stores and front lawns for even longer. Even those who firmly hold out against any semblance of Christmas before Thanksgiving, you know who you are, have now given in. It's Christmas takeover, and it seems like there's no room for Advent. In this cultural pushing out of Advent and takeover by Christmas, it seems like we've lost that sense of an Advent wake-up call. And in some traditions, in fact, there's actually been a counter-push for expanding Advent to a seven-week season, returning actually to an earlier practice of the church where Advent would begin the week after All Saints Day in November. But after all, our texts for the past few weeks, even before Advent since that time, have had sort of an Advent-like flavor to them, with images of the reign of God and end times and the day of resurrection, all calling us to wake up and be ready. Advent is a little bit like Lent in that way, a time of preparation and reorientation ahead of one of the principal celebrations on our Christian calendar, Advent ahead of Christmas, Lent ahead of Easter. So what do we have to prepare for this Advent season? What does that preparation look like? Well, if we take our cue from the weekend's Black, marketing, or Black Friday and consumer marketing techniques, it's shopping for presents and wrapping those presents. It's baking and hosting parties and dinners and decorating. 
but how easy it is to get bogged down under the weight of all of those details and preparations. So what if instead we took our cue from Lent and took advantage of this season of preparation to back up, to back up a little bit, to nourish our souls, to take time to pause, to sit still, to reflect, to pray, and to sit for just a little while longer in the darkness before the dawn, to sit in that darkness on purpose. This Advent, I've been thinking a lot about the concept of light and darkness that gets associated with this season, because traditionally this is the season where we hear a lot of that imagery of light and dark. We look forward to the dawn. We look forward to the coming of the light that dispels the darkness, as though darkness is a bad thing to be defeated and light is a good thing. But what if we could actually imagine darkness as a good thing? What if we could dwell in the darkness of this season and learn to walk in the dark? After all, some of our most significant Bible stories happen in the darkness. God creates the world from a murky abyss. Jacob wrestles with God all throughout the night. God leads the Israelites out of slavery under the cover of nightfall. And an angel visits Joseph in a dream as he sleeps to tell him the news of Mary's pregnancy. It seems like the Bible is trying to tell us something about darkness. In darkness comes creation, liberation, promise. This, it seems to me, is more the darkness of the womb and less the darkness of the tomb. Darkness that is growing new life and giving birth and making way for new hope. After all, Isaiah's words come to a people that are facing darkness, destruction, exile, and trauma. But that doesn't make God's promise for the future any less certain. The day when war will be no more has yet to happen. Our experience teaches us that much. But the prophet proclaims, come, let us walk in the light of God now, even in the darkness. As if to say, both can be true, light and darkness together, not as one enveloping the other. Next week at Unity, in this space, we'll observe Blue Christmas, a special service that carves out space for those who aren't quite feeling the holiday spirits for whatever reason, whether it's grief or depression or anxiety. But Blue Christmas is a time to intentionally sit in a quiet, darkened space to worship, to pray, to sing, to reflect, because we know that God is as much in the darkness as in the light. And perhaps God is felt even more strongly in the darkness and in the dark.
places. As one writer puts it in a blog post this week, Advent reminds us that God seeks us out where we are right now, not where we should be by our own or anyone else's estimation. God seeks us out when we are in exile and when we are suffering, when we are callous and cowardly, when we are more concerned with common sense than faithfulness, when we are fearful and arrogant, when we are lost and broken, when we are sad and alone, when we are traumatized and wondering when the light will start to win, when we feel forgotten and bored and insignificant and tired, when we are wounded and when we are the ones doing the wounding. This year, I'm thinking of Advent's wake-up call as less of a blaring alarm clock and more maybe of a meditation bell. It doesn't rush us toward Christmas. It invites us to linger. Linger in the darkness. Let your eyes adjust to the night. Give it time. Even there, even now, God is with us still.